0: At the well, Jesus saw the depth of the heart of a broken woman and loved her into conversion and mission.
1: Likewise, we long to encounter the one who loves, redeems, and fulfills us, and you're invited to join in.
0: This is the podcast at the well. Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast at the well. And we are at episode 14 of season four, continuing on with the glorious mysteries and the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So to start us off, I will ask Erica to lead us in prayer.
1: Thank you, Rachel. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you have destroyed the power of death and given the hope of eternal life in body and soul. You granted your mother a special place in your glory and did not allow decay to touch her body. As we rejoice in the assumption of Mary, give to us a renewed confidence in the victory of life over death. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. Thank you, Erica. So
0: like all the other mysteries,
1: there's so much packed
0: into this one mystery. Again, we have so much fruit, so much to meditate on, so much to focus on. And it's really hard to just kind of pack it into a 20 to 30 minute episode. But in the Blessed Virgin Mary's Assumption, we finally hear of God's victory for his creation. And Through this mystery, we see God fulfilling yet another promise. And once again, he's bringing hope into the world um, through his own faithfulness and basically using the pinnacle of his creation in Mother Mary to show us this, to give us this example. And he rewards her by her faithfulness and her humble obedience to his will through this particular mystery. And that gives us this beautiful example of how not only can he defeat death through his own resurrection, but that we too can be granted eternal life with him because of his ultimate sacrifice on the cross. So what were your thoughts when you first came to to reflect on this particular mystery, Erica?
1: Well, for me, I think this and the mystery that will follow after it, the coronation of Mary, They both stand as very unique events. And I mean, unique, even compared to all the other mysteries of the rosary, because for starters, neither account may be observed directly or literally in scripture. And so I'd say in that sense, they're definitely very Catholic events. They're both dogmas within the Catholic Church. Um, Certainly the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary into heaven is and That means then that it's this amazing notion that we believe wholeheartedly, and in many ways it follows from scriptural facts, and yet in order to piece all of the events of it together, it's still shrouded in a certain amount of mystery. So to explain a little more of what I mean by mystery, while the Church can definitively say that the Blessed Virgin Mary assumed bodily into heaven, there are still two streams of thought about how that assuming into heaven happened. Mainly, did she assume after experiencing an earthly death or before experiencing an earthly death? And I remember giving some thought to this, particularly recently when I was in the Holy Land, not so recently, a year ago now, Um, there's a really cool church among all of the sites that mark events about the life of Mary and Jesus. And it's the Church of the Dormition. So the tradition is in that church that that is where Mary entered a state of sleep or dormition, another word for that. And after a brief state of falling asleep on earth or experiencing a human death, her body assumed into heaven after that. And the disciples went to the tomb and found lilies. And so this particular mystery kind of intrigues me because I feel like, There could be a variety of thoughts about how it happened, but the fact that it happened conveys this beauty and for me, actually, a state of wonder. I would say wonder and amazement because for me to assert that Mary, a human being just assumed into heaven, is a great sign of hope that she sets the path that I am to follow. And I feel in this sense, Bishop Barron Um, in his reflections actually on YouTube on the Glorious mystery, states that Mary echoes what we will all experience at the resurrection of the dead. She is just the first recipient of the promises of Christ, which are life after death. And so she is the most immediate one to receive Christ's promises. But certainly, just in case I think that it's too aloof and far-reaching and not for me, there is this great hope in this mystery that Where she goes, we will all follow. And the pattern that she sets is intended for all of our lives to be patterned on.
0: You know, it's funny
1: that you say this
0: because I think I was thinking along the same lines. um, But before I get into that, I actually just wanted to insert, um, in this particular episode, we're focusing more on some of our reflections from meditating on it. But if you did want to learn more about the dogma of the assumption, We did have an episode in season one. I believe it was episode seven, the greatest assumption ever made. Um, And so that's something that you can actually listen to as well, if you would like to learn a little bit more. But coming back to our reflection on this particular mystery, you know, when I first sat down with it, it always seemed like the assumption um, of Mary was inevitable like you know this was just a sinless creature this was like the pinnacle of god's creation as i mentioned earlier so of course she would be given this great reward to be united with him in heaven and i often felt at times like this this was especially when i was younger like this is just so far far away from where i am and you know like this is not necessarily something that's attainable for me and when I look back about those thoughts I realize that a lot of that came from my own sinfulness it's just like not being able to understand God's desire for me in my life and not able to understand just how much his plan is actually um, laid out for me to find him and to actually follow this path to, to him. And so, in my sinful state, I have this distortion of understanding that, you know, perhaps he might not necessarily want me in heaven because of all the things that I've done. But really and truly his will for us is actually for us to be justified, purified, and in a state of sinlessness eventually as we're refined um, and purified in that way so that we can be reconciled with him for eternity. And he desires for us to be a saint. That's actually the goal of our Christian life. So even in our sinfulness, even if it's so hard for us to believe that this is possible, like you said, Erica, there's so much hope because this is actually what he desires for us. And if God desires this for us, then we better believe that he's going to make a way for it to happen. And he does make this way for us. He does it by his love, his mercy, and by pouring his grace into us. But our our responsibility is solely just to respond to that grace so that we come to desire it as well. And then it becomes a good reminder for us to ask ourselves, like do I live my life desiring heaven? Do I actually base my actions and everything that I choose on this desire to be with God? And this is a good way of meditating during the prayer of the rosary. When you get to this mystery, this is something that you can meditate on as well, is am I really seeing the hope in this, in this assumption of Mary? Am I really seeing the hope that God loves me so much And I know he does, but, you know, am I allowing myself to actually really sit in that love and and bathe in his love so that I can desire this heaven as well? Because a lot of times, as I mentioned, like earlier, our, our sinfulness distorts what God's will is for us. So we have to really move past our own insecurities and our own you know, sinfulness to really understand that this isn't about what we want necessarily. He wants us to want the same thing, but ultimately it's not within our control, but really he's in control and he's making a way for us. We just have to follow it and find him in it.
1: I think that was really well said, Rachel. And I actually really like that you made that whole equation about what he wants for us instead of what we want for ourselves or worse instead of what we think we're worthy of, because like you said, it is so easy to get caught up in my own sinfulness, especially when I think about the idea of assuming straight into heaven, right? That that thought just fills right. me with how unworthy I am instantly of heaven, or how far I am from the perfection that can only enter heaven. So it really is actually beautiful. And I think liberating the way you you phrased that to say that this assumption that Mary experiences first and Jesus wants us to experience is far more about his will for us and what his grace can do in us than even what we think we can do and we think we're capable of um so so that's that's a really nice uh, nice thought that I think I will take comfort in when I feel really weighed down by my own iniquity or by my own you know inability to get over certain sins, um, and. Sorry. And I think another really important point that you brought up, which I wanted to build on, was when it comes to desiring heaven, just in case that becomes abstract, what has really struck me lately is how desiring heaven is invariably about desiring our own death, right? We can't get to heaven until we die. And this can feel really alarming, I think, at any age of life. Uh, even when one is older and when it's expected, but it can definitely feel more and more shocking and uneasy when death is not something that was prepared for or thought of. And I remember recently um, feeling really sad about the news of a friend's wife uh, that I heard about who had cancer, and we don't quite know yet what the verdict is, and we pray for the best, but it sounds like the cancer could possibly be terminal. And that will obviously result in her not having very long to live and you know, leaving her husband and her children. And by everybody's estimation, it will have been a death that seemed to have occurred way too soon. But I also know this person to be a person of faith. And I'm sure you know many examples like this, right, of very devout people who seem like they died well before their time. But what I think is beautiful in that piece that I have to link in my mind is that while I'm saddened at the thought of this person dying, they and their entire faith experience have been preparing them well to die. And their trust in God is what allows them to not become attached to the time that they think they should die, but really leave that in the realm of God. And I can't think about two more interesting examples or extreme examples of that than actually Jesus and Mary. You have Jesus who dies in the prime of his life, intentionally at 33, uh, a time when maybe many would have thought that he should have gone on, done more, lived longer. And then you have Mary, who at least the church would say lives till an older age. We don't know how long, but some traditions say 72 years old. I think there's a Franciscan tradition that says she was with the disciples till into her older years. So maybe in her seventies. So that means she would have had a much longer life on earth than Jesus. Um, But I also think that she would have experienced many more sorrows and the problems that came with reaching that state in life. Right. So they were taken at very different times, but I know that their attitude towards their death and the way they lived as if they just desired heaven and just desired to be with the father, that motivation was actually the sole preoccupation of all of their thoughts. And my guess is it would have made everything that they went through on earth, be something that they saw through the eyes of heaven and through what awaited them after death.
0: Yeah, there's so much there in in what you were saying. And it's beautiful. And I'm sorry to hear about your friend's wife and um, I'll keep them in prayer as well. Um, and, you know, but you're absolutely right. Like there's certain people, you know, that you hear about people praying for a happy death. And, you know, there's there's certain people that you can watch die gracefully and joyfully, um, even though they're suffering. And then there's other people that like, you know, it's, it's a lot more shocking um, and maybe they're even grasping to hold on. Um, and they're not feeling ready to go. And perhaps, you know, they're, I find that a lot more sadder to observe in those moments, because it seems almost a lot more painful um, for them and for those around them as well. This is something when we desire heaven, when we have this gift, as Christians, to desire another place to go to after this life. It's just such a hopeful gift. Um, because usually when I see that grasping of holding on to this life, it's generally because they're afraid of what comes next. This particular mystery along with our faith that really does prepare us for understanding that this is just the beginning in a lot of ways. what One thing that I wanted to build a little bit more on before we go today was just that We talk about this mystery and it's called the Glorious Assumption of Mother Mary or the Glorious Mystery and the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, But uh, one key fact is that Mother Mary was assumed into heaven and was given this great reward for her obedience um, to God's will. But her Immaculate Conception which allows for this assumption to happen into heaven, was given to her, not by her own merits, but by Jesus's merits on the cross. It was through Christ that Mary became the first recipient of his promises. And this is important because it also speaks to the fact, again, that it's not us who's in control of doing x y and z and marking all the check boxes you know there's not like this set way that we can like make sure that this happens for us but it's actually through jesus's sacrifice on the cross that we are merited the potential to be reconciled with the father in heaven
1: what you said serves as an important reminder that mary assuming into heaven directly does not make her any less in need of Christ than we are in need of him, right? So he mediates her entire process to heaven. And obviously her own virtues and and attributes are the things that keep her from committing personal sin. But this is through the merits of what Jesus accomplished in her, right? So I think it is important to see the whole thing as being led by Christ. And I always think of another really nice mental image, which is that From the time that Jesus had left earth at the ascension, I can imagine that his mother would have been waiting to be reunited with him in heaven, right? And so the assumption marks that time where her, after who knows how long, 30, 40 years, has not seen him. And now she finally gets to be reunited with him. And what I think is even more beautiful than that is she gets to see him reveal her life to her. She does not have infinite knowledge of God, right, that that he has. But I think that moment of them meeting is that moment when all of her sorrows, she has a lot of joys in her life, but she also has a lot of sorrows. So in this moment, all of her sorrows are redeemed by him and his light and the light of heaven can actually help her look back at her life, at the valley of tears, at the pains at the times that the swords pierced her heart and actually put them in light of all of the joys that heaven promises. And and now she can see all of that in light of what it is like to be with her son and rule forever and intercede for the people that are still on earth after her.
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful thought. And again, there's so much hope filled in this particular mystery. It really truly is glorious. You know, there's there's so much sorrow that comes in even the joyful mysteries and the sorrowful mysteries um, for her mother's heart. And in this particular mystery, it's almost like the culmination of everything that she's gone through up until this point, from the annunciation all the way up until now. And this reward that she receives in in being reunited with her son being reunited with the father, being reunited with her spouse in, this, in the Holy Spirit. And it's just such a beautiful moment. And we get to, through her, have the insight of the promises that God makes to us being something that he will continually fulfill and respond to. And we just have to desire him. We just have to desire heaven. And we just have to do what he wills for us to do, which is to... Seek him, follow him, and become saints ourselves. So, I think this is a pretty good time to wrap up the episode. Any last thoughts that you might have, Erica?
1: No, I, I think just that as I was saying that last little bit about Mary's sorrows all being redeemed and her finally seeing sorrows in their appropriate place as being compared to the joys of heaven, it reminded me really nicely of this passage from Romans. 818, where St. Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed in us. So I can imagine that there were many moments when Mother Mary held this thought close to her heart as she was going through the sufferings. And I think that this mystery can be a positive mystery of hope for us who are suffering like her that um, the sufferings of this life will have a meaning and they will have their time of redemption when it is our time to go to heaven and when it is our time to die in the Lord. That's a good thought to end with. Thank you for sharing. All right. So
0: I think that brings us to our God incidents for the week. Is there any particular God incident that you'd like to
1: share? One thing that strikes me, which in a strange way is possibly related to this mystery as well, is that I have been immersed in this task lately of cleaning out my parents' house, which they've decided to sell in their retirement state now uh, and move into something smaller, which is far more fitted to them. But in the process of cleaning out their house, it's let me think about the memories that our family has, but also all the stuff they have. And the stuff I have, Um, and I don't know why, maybe my mind just goes to this, but it actually makes me think about what I'm doing to be more detached from possessions and how that in turn is the thing that will prepare me for my own death, right? Knowing that I cannot take anything with me, knowing that I really need to spend my days focused on using the things that I have well, but not becoming attached to them. That has been a really interesting and pleasant reminder for me as I continue this process of, you know, sorting through stuff and seeing them in a beautiful way come to terms with all the things that they no longer need, the things that they do want to keep and the things that they want to donate, because more often than not, I think when we're blessed with an abundance of stuff, it seems like far more gift to give away than it is something to be hoarded, right, or possessed by us. So, yeah, that's what's been on my mind. And I don't know, for some reason I can think about Mary not owning very much to begin with, but also, you know, just making it a point to give away everything she had before she uh, before she fell asleep in the Lord. So uh, what about you, Rachel?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I've actually been doing a little bit of house cleaning myself because my daughter is heading into her last year of high school. and. You know, she's kind of outgrown her her room that she has right now. And, you know, she had a childhood bed or a childlike bed and, you know, she's a little she's moving into a different phase in life. So it was about really giving her the space that she needs to have a really successful final year in high school and something that she can also then easily either move on to university with or to continue to have a functional, organized room for anything if she decides to stay as well. So it's been um, going through a lot of things, a lot of things that were the the children. So like a lot of things that belong to my kids when they were younger. And that detachment from these memories of them being Uh, little and cute and loving (laughs) you know as a mother you hold on to all of these little memories and it's always a task when they move on to a new phase in life to decide what memories to keep what things to perhaps keep in like a a memento book for them that they can show their own kids Um, but at the same time you want to be realistic with you know what is necessary to keep and what's not, you know, and can we just take a picture of this and and keep it in a photo album? So all of those things that you were talking about, it's very much in a similar way, um, but also preparing them for the next phase in life. And so being able to set them up for success um, and assessing their needs in this phase in life. And I imagine that that's a little bit of what God says for us too, is in every season of our life, what is it that we're going to need for this next stage, for this next struggle, for this next joy, for this next life-changing event that might happen in our life? He's already preparing us for that. And so as parents, we kind of have to do a bit of that as well and helping prepare our kids for that next phase as well. So there's a detachment. As a parent, that we have to kind of allow them to also build on their own decision-making skills and their own responsibilities, and so it's it's a it's definitely a time of letting go and letting them become adults, especially both of them being older now. And so it's it's a very different phase for our
1: family, and it's just a reminder that that's that's what we need to do for our whole life, right? Um, clean out and prepare for death <laughs> it's just a different phases so
0: yeah and you know it's it's just good to show you that it's ever changing like we can't ever just hold on but, you know we can't hold on to the past we have to keep moving forward and and we have to keep moving towards the ultimate goal which is heaven so
1: and with that we will end with our final hail mary in the name of the father and of the son and the holy spirit amen Hail Mary, full of grace; the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the, name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you all for tuning in, and don't miss our next episode on the final glorious mystery, which is the coronation of Mary as Queen of Heaven and Earth. Great! Thank you for listening. God bless.